Hello and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, a holistic vision for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Sherry Herndon. Sherry is a thought leader in regenerative culture, community building, and movement building, with a focus on coherence and scaling collective intelligence. She's a social innovator with numerous successes and innovations that have had a profound impact in human culture. One of those was to launch citizen journalism worldwide three years before YouTube was even on the scene. Sherry loves trim taps, seeking and embodying anything that serves our greatest social potential. She's an embodied mystic, a vision keeper for the new earth, and is devoted to serving an enlightened civilization where all life thrives. She works at the, conjunct- at the junction of technology, consciousness, social systems, personal development, and subtle energy embodiment practices. She has been called a coherence architect for that reason. A longtime yoga practitioner, deeply versed in a new paradigm, scientific understandings of reality, and passionate about conscious evolution, she weaves these understandings into everything she does and devotes herself to social transformation from the inside out. For the last 25 years, she has worked in the field of evolving consciousness toward creating new forms for civilization to be fully actualized. At the heart of her passion is an embodied optimism. Sherry is also in the middle of a major relaunch of her acclaimed podcast, Heart of It All, and is excited to share the stories, ideas, and people and organizations who are committed to a more beautiful world of peace, dignity, and freedom. At the core of Sherry's beliefs is the notion that our crisis is the birth of a new civilization and the time is now. And that's why I'm so excited to have her on the show uh, to talk deeper about our holistic visions for planet Earth. With these words, welcome to the show, Sherry. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. (laughs) I love that my chime is going off. Perfect timing, right? It's like yes. the initiation to this conversation. Exactly. <laughs> Sherry, you've, you've been walking this walk for a little longer than most of us, like 25 years in the work and field of evolving consciousness. You know, most people have kind of been joining this movement since like 2012 or around then. And it's 2019, so that's been also quite a while. But I, I want to go really deep with you today in this conversation and understand like what's how can someone choose optimism as one of their embodied, you know, strength? How, how can we um, continuously rise up every day, even though there's so much adversity that we're looking at? And um, let me maybe ask a first question. And that is about one of my favorite topics as well, which is coherence and the science of kind of hard brain coherence. When's the first time that that entered your field? It's hmm, a great question. I would say a kind of an early understanding of it viscerally in a kind of an embodied way was when I was in college and I was studying philosophy and we were reading I and Thou by Martin Buber. And we would have these deep conversations with my friends and we would notice there was a difference between when we were just communicating and when we entered into a space of communion. And at Mm -hmm. the time, I never would have thought of that as coherence, but I believe that that's actually what was happening, that we were in in a deep space of experiencing the unified field, 
because we were so present with each other. And that's been a lifelong interest of mine is uh, communication. I'm a communications geek and I love all aspects of that from the inner to the outer and to mm-hmm. in between each other. So I would say that's when I really first kind of uh, touched into what that field is, the qualitative difference of being in a resonant field. And then I would say fast forward, there's a number of different iterations of that. Um, But it was probably, I'm not sure when I first came in contact with um, heart math, but it was probably there, they gave me that understanding of what's actually happening with the heart Mm -hmm. uh, itself. And what that is and so we can have feedback loops onto like oh what's actually happening with our heart when it's incoherence yeah oh this is what's happening so then we have the the benefit of receiving these feedback loops that allow us to see when we are and when we're not and that inner coherence so i'm going to start with like the quality of inner coherence to me is very similar to what we might say is being present in the moment and it's you're not in the past you got you don't not worrying you're not in the future projecting you're in the present moment and in that moment that inner coherence is where there's just this natural alignment between our centers of intelligence and understanding which would be the mind the heart and the gut so that you're fully aligned with your values. You, what you say is what you mean and what you believe. You're not just putting words out there that are actually not real in terms of how you're living them. And when we can tap into our inner coherence, that space is like a powerful uh, place in which to create. So coherence, presence, creativity are all linked. And that's one of the reasons why I believe it's so important. And I can speak about the scaling of that as well um, in just a moment, how we move from the individual to the social, to the global coherence. And I believe that that's actually the phase change that we're in when we talk about you know, the, the non-linearity of how transformation can happen. We can actually believe that we can make a shift uh, into a, a new paradigm, because I believe that the new paradigm is, is already here uh, and the pieces are all here. We're just weaving them together in a field of coherence. And Einstein speaks about this um, and says, the, the most interesting thing is the field. I can't remember exactly how, what his quote is, but basically it's the most important thing. And that's been an inquiry for me as well. So we're all connected. We're coming out of fragmented consciousness. We're coming into what Charles Eisenstein talks about as interbeing or others as this mutual field of awakening. So we actually can tap into the quantum field and from that place, we actually have access to uh, more of the change dynamics than 
in a Newtonian uh, world. We're actually in a quantum world and we're learning how to do that. And coherence is one of those key uh, personal practices and also collective practices. It's like how we can be together in a field where we're not in fragmented thought. So there's like mastery that's involved with this. You don't just go, oh, I'm going to do that now. You're, you're like, wake up, grow up, clean up, show up. That process of life development is personal and it's also social. And I believe we're really in this, on this cusp where we can take a conscious leap towards that more beautiful world. Wow. I love the eloquence and the specificity with which you are able to explain this, express this, and share kind of about communion, but at the same time about the, the quantum world in which we are being, because, you know, it, it seems like um, drastically different wording, but at the same mm. time, I feel like they explain a similar um, experience. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you, what makes you feel so optimistic or what lets you choose the optimism that right now in 2019 as we're having this conversation we are actually at this cusp because mm -hmm. sometimes when when i listen um to people who have been in, in this like quote-unquote awakening consciousness kind of scene or experience uh for longer than i have it, it feels like we've been on this cusp for a long time you know and mm -hmm. so what makes you specifically optimistic for the the scene and the the year that we're in oh. That's such a good question. I, I'll have to say, <laughs> I will answer that. But I also have to say, in some ways, I don't know. Like, it's so innate in me. I don't have to try. It's not anything I ever worked at. So there's something innate about it. And I, so, so that's real, you know, and I love the phrase optimistic, you know, I'm an op optimistic. <laughs> With an M-Y, mystic. Yeah, yeah M-Y, <laughs> I really am. And I would say it's because I, as a futurist, I've, I've felt myself as a futurist in a kind of more new paradigm way for a long time. And because of that, I have like, a connection to all those people and projects and initiatives and have for a long time who are wanting to see a, a, a different way of living and thriving where all life thrives. And I see all the things that are the solutions that are out there. It's kind of what I track as those are the trends I track. And I can see how consciousness is working in people. And I can feel the, the, the growing consciousness on the planet of what Ken Wilber might, would call second tier, or it's like we're really in a field that's non-dual. We're not in like us, them. And as more and more are in that field, you actually can feel what, is happening that is often not made visible in the mainstream media. So I would say I also don't pay a lot of attention to the mainstream media. I track it very lightly. 
So the minute you go down that, I mean, road and start watching the news regularly on the mainstream media, it would just depress you. And it doesn't mean my optimism does not mean that I am not feeling the grieving of what is happening on this planet. Um, contrary, I actually believe, and this is maybe a partial answer that I'm just sensing, is that I have always felt everything. I'm just one of those people that mm. easily cries. I like people suffer. I'm like, I'm suffering. You know, my such an empath. I'm a highly sensitive person. And I'm very, very connected to the earth. And so I feel that. And I feel the core wounds of humanity. I feel like I have this like heart that is like, I could just go there and, and when I'm in breathwork ceremony, I am just working that. I am in the sobbing and the grieving and the, all, of, all of those, feeling it all, feeling it all. And when you feel the depth of the grief on this planet and you can hold it without succumbing to it, you experience the other end, there's agony and there's ecstasy. And I feel like the depths I've plummeted to just say, I'm willing to feel it all. And through this body gives me access to states of consciousness that I, I pretty much am in, uh, pretty much in a, con a state of contentment. That's, I've really come to that. I've cleared out. I would say another question about being why optimistic for all the things I see on the planet. Absolutely. All the hope, all the stories, all the solutions, all the amazing new templates, new models, new ways of being in all the different sectors. If we were to actually map, track, scan, and connect everything that's working in the world and quote unquote, everything that's working, we would have some criteria we would go, you're kidding. Wow, it's that? It's all here. So there's something about making visible what's already that's here. That's such an interesting point. Yes. I love that that's, that that's part of your answer here. Keep, keep, keep exp expanding on it, but I just want to mention, like, if we were able to make visible what's actually happening, this is a reoccurring theme in this podcast. Um, Brooke Foote, who, who was part of the mastermind yes. in Costa Rica. Love her. Um, I just had her um, on as well. And she, she basically <laughs> said, I've, I've circumnavigated the earth in a sailboat three times. Mm -hmm. And it's devastating to go through the plastic ocean. It's devastating oh. to see all the destruction. But her optimism mm. for how much is being done in mm. of social impact in communities mm. all around the world yes. was so awakening to me because if people could only see and experience that mm -hmm. that's right that's right that's that's exactly how i feel in terms of why i love the idea of really conscious media production companies it's like a it's a thing and getting those stories out there and also some function in culture Barbara Marks Hubbard called it the peace room. She ran for office as vice president in 1984 on the peace room. A peace room is sophisticated as the war room where we would map, track, scan, and connect everything that's working. Then you would have a mirror 
for society. You'd be like, here, society, here's who we're becoming. Here's who we've been. Here's what's not working. Yes, wow, that's, you know, we have to kind of uh, hold both spectrums, but not without really putting an emphasis on what is good, true, and beautiful and what's actually happening right now. We put so much energy, you know, time, energy, and attention over there on what's not working. How much energy do we have for the creativity and to seek out that which is working? So it's a real psychological, uh, I guess, a psychological gap in our humanity that we're bridging. And some of those are people who are bridging that and some are embodying the new and some are holding, you know, the, the devastation at bay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there is also, you know, just a clear differentiation to make because it's, it's not about black or white in so many cases. So yes, to acknowledge all of the devastation and the negativity that is going on in this planet, there are dark and evil forces in that sense being expressed, but getting lost in them, tracking it in the media is the only truth or the only thing that's happening, I think is, is just, um, it's just not the way to go, right? It's, it's quite the opposite, as you said, like conscious media and showing Mm -hmm. um, what is happening on the other side? What is happening with humanity coming into communion, humanity exploring the quantum physical reality in, in which we're living, exploring the, the compassion, uh, you know, the, 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 the positive side of globalization, which is that humanity is coming closer together in a way, right? That all mm -hmm. that is very real. And for me, I feel, um, it's not either or, I think it's, it's, it's both and. So we, we oh. get to look at what is wrong and dark and dire mm -hmm. and we get to acknowledge it because we, mm -hmm. staying in ignorance and naivety isn't really the true pa pa path, I believe, to um, being, as you said, an optimistic. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's incredibly important to acknowledge what is and to acknowledge um, how much work there is in this transition lifetime that we're in you know um mm -hmm. and then put our focus into the the positive um power that is really being spread well let me say something else about about that um i it's definitely it's always a both and that's a quantum think principle for sure it's not either or we kind of we've left that behind um and I love the way of thinking about we're hospicing what's dying. You know, we're kind of in a, we've got a lot of collapse happening and we're midwifing the new. And so we're doing both that's happening. And in some ways, the process that we're in, we've never really been here before, right? We don't, we, I mean, some people might say, yes, we have in different civilizations that have collapsed um but i'm speaking about like how we actually are are taking a a species across this threshold and that it's really critical this is where coherence and energetic coherence collectively has a power that is greater than we might understand in terms of putting our attention towards the things we want, the role of vision, the role of imagination, 
the role of those dreams. And then we have those, believing in them, feeling the truth of them, the yearning in our hearts for them, and then together putting our energy, attention, consciousness, directing that coherently, not incoherently, coherently towards those dreams is a powerful force in a system in collapse. So we, our crisis is our birth. It's like the system is collapsing. Oh, right. How do we deal with a system in collapse? Well, there's a lot of people who've put a lot of thinking in this, scientifically speaking, as well. Mm-hmm. So that theory of change at like a global level of movement building, we would probably see things accelerate because we're not working at pushing a system to, to what we want to be. We're putting our energy and attention, and of course we're creating and doing, but this is about the quantum field and our energy and attention. It's a powerful force in the world for creating the kind of change in this moment of what Urban Laszlo calls a chaos window. A chaos window, when it's so much chaos, is the place in which you can shine a coherent beam of consciousness from a large group of people or a small group of people at the edge of civilization holding a sufficiently coherent positive image of the future. That is like a laser beam into shifting it up to a new level it takes a nonlinear jump into a new place. That's the place we're at. And I think that piece is a missing piece in our collective understanding of those in the new paradigm. And it's a fine, just a subtle shift of awareness of what we can do together. Like someone posted something recently. I've seen a couple posts recently that really activated me because I had the same impulse and I left a message for someone who does big events at at Lightning in a Bottle and at Burning Man. And I spoke about what would be possible if, and everybody who was then focused on the um, Burning Man was focused instead, all that energy, 70,000 people towards that more beautiful world, like all of that energy. Now that is a powerful use of that Burning Man energy community on the playa right now. Mm -hmm. You know, a question that comes up for me right at that point is all about trust and Mm. trusting what is emerging, trusting what is coming in, Mm. trusting the direction, trusting that even though the Amazon might be on fire and parts of Siberia are on fire, that it is, the, let's say, the right choice to, to go gather in the desert for many, many people. Mm-hmm. Sherry, maybe I can make that into a personal question, though. Mm-hmm. What is required for you to feel and experience trust? Mm. Well, I, I just love that you're asking this question. And I think it's, I just want to share something just as a context for this that everybody who's listening really feel into where you easily trust and where you may not. 
because I think that this is maybe also answers part of that optimistic um, question. So there's trusting myself, trusting others, how we create fields of trust so that we can co-create and do that easily. Um, and then there's a trust in the process. So those are different areas in which I am trusting. And I have an innate trust in the process because I have been a student of evolution from what I like to call as the great radiance, the Big Bang, on through life in the perfection of the math of like how the planets move and the, the cosmometry, the sacred geometry. There is a perfection that is here and that can be felt and seen and we can kind of witness it even as like we're in a collapse and even as there seems like oh my gosh what's happening you know like i know the earth is going to be fine i just know the earth is going to be fine it doesn't mean i don't want the fires to stop but there is a larger process moving through life and there's a greater intelligence that's moving through life. You just have to stand in awe of, of the cosmos and those Hubble photographs and just go, what's the creative force behind everything? And I believe like in each of us is this, I trust the source within me. I believe that I am eternal and that I'm a soul. And that I'm here to wake up and I'm here to, to support everybody waking up and everybody being free and our life thriving. It's kind of like, well, what else is there to do? Isn't this why I came? This is why I came. So I trust that process. I trust more and more the source within me, particularly as I deepen in my own personal practices that retune me inside my body. That's why yoga, kundalini, breath work, good diet, silence, stillness, communion with nature, you know, all those ways of being, prayer, chanting, sound bowls, all those things support our bodies being in tune. Like the Taoist said, Powerful, yeah. we're a conduit between heaven and earth. And I'm too constantly tuning my vessel so that I am surrendering into a greater will than what my small mind thinks. That, that's so powerful, tuning the vessel constantly so that the trust is actually part of the natural surrender ex experience. And, and I think that's, mm -hmm. that's really what's, what's going on with so many of the dark forces on the planet or, or the like, um, repetitive cycles of society that we're still experiencing is the body is being perceived as a mechanism, uh, which, which is just faulty Darwinian and, and Newton logic, right? And and at the same time, the the body is being tuned to stay in the same old frequency. And we don't need to hang out about that too too long. But when when we do the opposite, which is tuning the body like an instrument like if you play the guitar right you make sure before you start playing you you check that the tunes are right you, you make yeah. sure you check that that it's it's attuned and if mm. it's not you will do that and so if we do that with our body mm. 
I think this is something I am. I'm really, um, I feel honored and privileged to have heard Guru Singh say that in front of 150 mm. men over and over and over again, attune mm. your instrument and tune your instrument. Because mm. when you do, you, you create the space yes. for consciousness to come through mm. and your body's notions, uh, desires and inhibitors are not as important or strong anymore. Right. And, you know, I believe that we're on this, I'm, I believe we're on an incarnational journey of incarnating our divinity through our bodies and creating heaven on earth. So whatever is in the way is the way. So all the stuff that's like the, the things we've done to each other for like killing each other and wars and killing life, life killing. It's so, it's so hard to even comprehend with my mind and, but that's what we've done. And so it's so much harm and anything that's within me where I can like ease that, clear that, alchemize that. That's why I'm so devoted to like emotional and relational alchemy. Because when we do that with each other in small groups between us and our closest friends, allies, lovers, beloveds, partners, co-creators, teams, organizations, systems, villages, cities, can't wait for like a really a wise city, let alone a smart city. And um, we have all the capacities to do that. There's just things that get in our way. So we really are closer than we think. And there's just this kind of the alchemizing of our shadows and anything that puts us into victim consciousness, fear, all those places that are, you know, core wounds of humanity where we've just separated from source. So, and that source is within us. It's not outside of us. That's the, that's the story that doesn't work. You know, the source, source or divinity sitting inside of us go within it's like wow i love this quote from joseph chilton pierce which is a reminder of our power passionate intent so intent passionate intent and unconflicted behavior that coherence alters the structure of the universe so i believe that we mm. are aligning more and more out of human-made laws based on outdated thinking and we're moving into a realm of alignment with natural laws and universal laws in which we are at the edge of what we can imagine is possible. So I love imagining what we currently think of as impossible because right over on the other side is it's possible. So Powerful. dreaming big is super important. <laughs> Powerful. I, I love how you, how you said that. And let's dream big towards the education system. If you had a say, or you could single-handedly change the education system, big question, I get it, but like, what would you do? <laughs> mm. Oh, uh, well, it's a good one. I love that question. I was a child uh, development psych major first two years of college and it was a real passion of mine um and i come from a line of teachers so first i would start young and not put kids 
in structure that has them doing things sitting at a desk inside, but that lets them be outside and that all the things that can be explored of life are there and that these young beings come in with their genius, that they get to explore their genius. And because studies have shown that kids are genius until they hit five and then something, it's kind of de, it's socialized out of them. So that's one or two things. The other is really teaching like the roots of compassion, the roots of empathy, just how can kids can just be from a young age with themselves so that that emotional intelligence is like growing, growing, growing. And that's like a foundation of how we um, educate, allowing that genius full exploration, you know, teachers that are just there to let them thrive and give them unconditional love if their parents aren't doing that. And then that compassion and playtime in nature. Beautiful. I love it. Exploration of the genius that is inherent to all of us. I think Bucky Fuller is one of those uh, as well. Buckminster Fuller, who was quoted to say that every child is born a genius until the process of life degeniuses them, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So if I were to um, have a bit of input into the education system, I think that's really it. It's like fostering the creativity, the curiosity, and the genius, mm -hmm. and then integrating it into the, the earthly life, the 3D, mm -hmm. so that there is systems and logics that kids also mm -hmm. learn, but maybe not yes. as the the only and the primary thing in that. Right. Integrated. integrated, integrated. Exactly. It's beautiful. And also I would say this is a slightly different, but kind of maybe like in high school, humanity, like 101, what do you need to, to know when you go out into the world? Not facts and figures. I mean, sure, advanced studies, but like so many people come into the world out of high school with no preparation for like what's going to be expected of them and that capacity to inquire and listen and question those like what does it really mean to be human i mean education is really like the at the heart of who we are as a civilization it tells us a lot about what we believe and how we treat each other so i love everyone who is working on transforming the educational system as well as the economic system, of course, and, and every other sector, but how we are raising, our, educating ourselves and our children is, tells a lot about what's possible in the future. Yeah, amazing. What, what else becomes possible in that kind of a future? Because you, know, you, you mentioned it in, in this episode already, like having big dreams and big visions or like connecting to the imagination, which, you know, like Einstein said, is a precursor of reality. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really interested in holistic visions, right? And I'm really interested in holistic visions to become a part of the way humanity as a collective uh, looks at life on the planet Earth. And that might take a little longer than, than just one podcast episode. But I think every mm -hmm. time we address this, every time more and more people listen to this and share this out and share this with friends and talk mm -hmm. about it themselves, it, mm -hmm. it might become something we, we incorporate into our ways of thinking that there isn't just a status quo, there isn't just a short-term political and economical agenda, but there's actually 
a long-term compass on which we orient humanity's well-being with the notion of could that world one day really work for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you've already said it, the, the trust in the cosmic principle, et cetera. Um, we, we, we really know this world could work for everyone. But in, in your own words, what would be holistic visions that maybe at some point the powers in the powers to be, you know, in, in economics and politics and religion could possibly surrender to? Mm. Well, one thing I want to just, when you were saying about sharing out, you know, this, this podcast and sharing out these visions uh, that you are offering um, and conversations out so that people can really, like they can be they're like seeds and memes. Um, I want to just invite everybody also to this, this invitation for people to collect, gather together and collectively vision. You know, we, we always are gathering. We're always getting, got parties. We're always doing some strategic meeting or mastermind. But we can actually just simplify that in some ways and say, let's just devote one time a month to sharing our visions and then finding the alignment beyond agreement where we're aligning around the intention and we're like feeling those dreams, you know, lots of it's called imagineering, you know, this is like future casting, but we can simplify it and just like collectively vision as a part of our new culture creation. I know people who are creating new spaces in different cities in like San Francisco and there's going to be lots of different kinds of convenings around things. That would be a great one. Um, we wanted to do that here in Seattle when we were first looking at a hub. And, but it would be in a place where we would have ongoing visioning and dialogue and inquiry. Where we're not just trying to get at like the answer, but actually to be in a field of inquiry as adults and discovery. And, you know, um, let alone the kids, like let's do it as adults. And those visions, those images of the future, they are in all of us. All we have to do is like sit and go, what would feel really great? Oh, a world without war, right? A world where there is peace, a world where there are no hungry children, a world where all people are welcome. Everyone can pursue their, their you know, dream. They can give their best. I mean, we we live in right relationship with the earth you know we're abiding by the the principles of start within and then work outward from a connection with each uh, our source and with each other you know it's gets really simple but i think that you know it's not enough to slow the rate of destruction we must increase the rate of creation and when we do that We actually are like opening space in consciousness for more of that dreaming to actually happen because dreams, imagination, the imaginal realm, that is the precursor to um, things showing up. And the more we actually feel it's possible in doing it together, the more those holistic visions of like living in a beautiful community where we're able to express ourselves and we can we're in service and we're exploring our potentials and we're, there's no limit to what's possible. That doesn't mean that we're living in a perfect utopia. We still have to navigate our interesting dynamics 
but that's the creative fuel for generativity, you know, life, death, rebirth. So we can, I would just love to have a gathering where we're really in the collective visioning <laughs> more as a more of a regular tempo of our community life. Yeah, all the power to that. I, I won more of those gatherings as well. And I know they have started happening. People are recognizing the power of dreaming of imagination and of thinking, simply thinking uh, in new and in innovative ways. And mm. of course, when we talk about dreams, um, I, I do want to make sure we mention that um, every time we talk about dreams and holistic visions, we can only let dreams in when we meet them in reality, mm. right? So hoping that something happens isn't good enough. But dreaming it up and thinking it and going into new and different viewpoints and then really from that place, um, seeing where that does hit reality, I think is, is one of the many ways to go forward. Mm, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Sherry, such a pleasure to, to talk with you and muse about um, uh, how to express freedom as a species and how to come into this uh, unified consciousness. Mm evolving over the fragmented experience and separation consciousness in which we've mm. been hanging out mm. for a whole, a whole long and big cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's really actually, it's really changing. It's, uh, it's incredible because I've been, as you were commenting earlier um, about, I've been at this for a long time, a couple decades, not like as long as someone like Barbara Marks Hubbard or others or elders but for a couple decades. And what I'm now seeing is what I haven't seen before. It, the field is readier and riper and the coherence in the field, because I can feel it. I can feel that gestalt, the energetics. I can feel coherence. It's like different. And that means that we're ready for like, like a, a big phase change. And I have been waiting for this, I feel like for lifetimes. And um, I think many of us have been. So um yeah it feels good it feels like the the possibilities are kind of right here and we get to choose we we get to choose hmm. we do get to choose wonderful thank you so much for the time that you, that that you're, you're putting in and the work you're putting in mm -hmm. i have a last question for you um and please feel free to share anything that, that you, you want to make sure you, you said and mm. you, you're putting into, into this episode. But my last question is just a really personal question. Um, and it's about happiness. You know, I, I want to understand how people perceive happiness, what role it plays for them and what makes them happy. And mm. uh, if that's even something we should strive for or if that's something that just is. And so I, I just want to ask you, what is happiness to you? Mm. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I tend to think in terms of contentment, but I understand I, I have a mantra that's I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm abundant, I'm free. Um, happiness is an inner state of being. It's living in surrender to what life is bringing me and what is showing up in my life and trusting again that trust of like whatever's showing up is for my highest good so if it feels uncomfortable it's like well that's interesting that's uncomfortable huh and i'm curious i just stay curious 
and or if it feels really good and I'm just like blissing out and I just see all around the blessings that are coming from all directions. I just take it in. I feel it. I'm, I actually feel like happiness is something that we generate from within, regardless of the external circumstances. And the more we can actually be in that, not in non-reactivity to the things that our mind thinks we should be reacting to, like, oh, well, that's not good, or I should have more of that, or they should have done this, or why didn't they invite me, or why am I not doing something different, or whatever, whatever it is that the mind thinks takes you out of being present with what's actually happening. And when we're in that attunement and inner attunement, I just feel like I'm in a kind of constant state of happiness or contentment or peace or joy. And when I'm not, I'm not disturbed by it. If it's not like, oh, I'm all happy. Like well, the last thing we want is spiritual bypass. So I want to make, I think that's really important. This isn't about not feeling the things because you just want to be happy. I know people who do that and that's not reality to me. Reality is just being present with whatever is happening and not judging it for good and bad when it's happening to you, but actually being with it because it's probably going to teach you something. Like if I were to look at the past two years of my life, I would say those were some of the hardest two years I have gone through. And yet what came out of that was a kind of inner alchemy that like shot me up to new level of, of, of consciousness, leadership, presence. So I am so grateful for that. So sometimes being happy in the midst of being worked by life and realizing that there's something that wants to shine through you that's even more beautiful. Hmm. Thank you so much. I think this, this is really a great, a great note to, to end this episode on. Thanks for the time. And, um, I can't wait to, to meet again in person. This, this is always yes. a, a very deep and very uh, powerful way to also upgrade my own um, wordings and the way I simply get to express this, this journey we're on. Thank mm. you, Sherry. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me and for creating such a beautiful space for myself and for everybody listening. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I truly hope you had a good time listening to this interview and gain some form of new perspective, inside or knowledge that serves you, that enriches your life. And if that's the case, make sure to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, follow the social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and simply be part of the conversation, one step at a time, wherever you are, have yourself a stellar day.